Welcome to this message from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon. City Bible Church is a vibrant community of people with one common desire to experience God, enjoy people, and celebrate life. This morning we're talking about expectation. Uh, how many of you during the series so far have found yourself uh, ex- your expectation level at least going up a little bit? How many have found at least that? How many have found maybe there's a couple areas of your life where disappointment, disillusionments, or just flat-out hard-life trials that has caused you to put the bar down and not expect for the things you should from God? How many have that dawned on you a little bit? All right. How many of you are actually uh, beginning to feel some new, brand-new expectations rising in your life? Some brand new things that are coming to you in a spirit of faith and a spirit of God that you might be able to expect and actually reach out to those things. All right? I'm going to go right to the Word this morning. Have your Bibles. Turn to Romans chapter 15, verse 13. That's our text. I'm going to read a couple other slides before we get there, but that's the verse that we're working on is Romans chapter 15 and verse 13, where it talks about the God of hope will fill you uh, with all hope as you believe, and there will come joy and peace as you believe because you will be filled with the hope that God has for your life. So we're working through that verse. Now may the God of hope fill you with all hope. We're into the fourth message already. The first one was the foundation of expectation is desire. You cannot separate expectation from desire. Desires are given by the Holy Spirit, given by the Word of God. As you pray and fast and wait upon the Lord, meditate and put your uh, uh, heart into God's heart, more desires will surface. Along with that, there are some desires that need to be crucified. They're not good. They're not right. They're wrong. They're in the carnal self. They're uh, rooted in the wrong place. You're desiring the wrong thing. So you have to crucify some of those desires so the God desire can surface better. Okay, we understand that. Then we talked about the focus of expectation is you. In that verse, may the God of hope fill you. We talked about how God selects you out, puts a mark on your life, and begins to deal with you individually. You, whether you're married or not. Uh, it's you he's dealing with. If you're married, it's not just the two of you, although you're one flesh and your overall vision for life should harmonize, but you're still an individual. And as an individual, God will put his finger on your life on your mind, on your heart, and your passions. And there are things that you need to fulfill yourself that your spouse cannot help you fulfill. In a sense, it's your own gift. It's your own self. You have desires that God has to bring through your life. You have things that God wants to uh, surface in your life. And so an individual, every person, you don't bring these into the family or into your group or into your youth group or you know the whole small group thing. It's not the group. It's you that God is after Groups have their place, but I'm talking to you personally. God is after you as an individual. He wants to do something special in your life. The focus of expectation is people. And God has a lot of heart for people. Jesus loves to hang out with individuals, not just crowds. He loves that individual. He talks to individual people. Jesus is as interested in your individual vision for life as he is the entire congregation called City Bible Church. And we have all kinds of things we preach and we teach and we prophesy and we throw out there and we write and we raise money and we get excited about it. We go there corporately to touch the nations of the world and start churches all over and do this and do that. And that's exciting. We do that together as a corporate body. But your personal vision is just as important to Jesus as our total 
corporate vision. He wants you to have your hope and your expectations so established and so right that He can talk with you and deal with you as an individual and then bring that to pass in your life. It's so important that Jesus wants to talk with you all the time about what you're feeling and where you're going and how you're going to get there. He wants to do business with you as an individual. Will you turn to your neighbor and say, He's talking about you. Come on. He's talking about you. You and your life. The college you choose. The place you want to be trained. That marriage that you want to have someday. The children you want to raise. The business you want to start. The places you want to go. The people you want to help. The things that lodge in your heart you've never been able to do. All of those things are of great interest to Jesus. He takes great interest in your desires. The focus of expectation is people. The time, third message, the time for expectation is... Everyone say it. Now. now. The time for expectation is now. There's a lot of reasons why we can put expectation off. There's a lot of reasons we can make excuses. There's a lot of reasons we can procrastinate. There's a lot of reasons we become maybe just flat out pessimistic about it. We don't want to deal with the now in our life. Jesus is a now person. The Holy Spirit is a now spirit. Your life is a now life. Jesus wants to do something to you right now that's very, very important. So don't put it off. It's the now that is after. All right, let's go to the fourth message in the series this morning. The source of expectation is God. The source of expectation is God. Now, may the God of peace, may the God of hope fill you. Now, may the God of... The God of hope in this verse is our focus this morning. He's the God that wants to fill you. The source for your expectation, of your expectation, the source, the well that will spring forth in you, your source is obviously God. So let me just hammer on that a little bit this morning and draw your attention to how great this is and how much this will help us. Our source is in God. First of all, our God inspires our expectations. That is, He breathes upon our life, breathes upon our spirit so that we begin to expect great things. Our expectations come from God. He inspires them. Second, He rewards them. God loves people to expect so that He can be God, so that He can move in your life. He can create the source, the resource, the the freeway, the pathway, the steps. He can work for you. He can do the things He does so well. He can pastor you and guide you and etc. So God inspires your hopes and your expectations. He rewards them. And He supplies our heart with an overflow of expectations. So as God begins to uncork your spirit, so to speak... It's an amazing thing that happens. Once you get one expectation, two or three expectations come real easy. Four, five, and six come real easy. Before you know it, you have a life flow of expectation. A river begins to flow out of you. It's just like prayer. When you first start praying, it might be a prayer here and a prayer there. But before you know it, you have a river of prayer coming. Before you know it, you're praying large prayers and faith prayers and Bible prayers and you just... You just begin to flow in in prayer and and devotions and witnessings the same way. Once you uncork it, before you know it, you're talking to people all around you so easily where it used to be one person once a year. Now it's one person once a week, one person once a day. You can just talk about Jesus. You've, You've opened something in your life. So it is. With expectation. When you open that valve in your spirit, you begin to change a DNA, a chemistry that is within you. 
And that chemistry that is brought together with word and spirit and prayer and confession and faith and reach and step out and get out of the boat and move towards something new and renewing the mind and getting rid of the pessimist spirit and getting rid of that old unbelieving spirit, getting rid of the excusing spirit, and you start stepping out. Before you know it, that flow in your life starts changing the way you think, starts changing the way you speak. It starts changing the way you dress, the way you walk, the way you talk, the way you drive, how you decorate your home, the friends you make, how you see life. All of a sudden you start living in a brand new, whole new world that is there, but maybe at this point you can't see it all. But as expectations begin to flow, new things begin to open up. Horizons start appearing before your eyes. New thoughts start coming into you. You maybe start journaling things, writing things down. Because everything starts flowing. You have opened the valve and the source of that river is God. God has a lot of thoughts that he wants you to fulfill. And so once that river starts flowing, all you have to do is just start moving with it. And it becomes a mighty, mighty white water rafting kind of a river. It starts flowing and things start happening and God starts moving and life takes on a new joy and you start having a, a new vibe about who you are. People will notice that they will say, you know, something about you has changed. You might probe and say, what do you mean? Well, you know, you just, boy, you just seem different. I don't know. Well, how? I don't know. You just seem to be more alive or more exciting or you seem to be so satisfied with everything. What happened to you? It wasn't just a, maybe a one altar call or one decision, but that river opens up. And before you know it, you are more satisfied. You are more abundant with living. You are more positive about everything. You are seeing things the way God sees things. You handle your pressures better. You handle the disappointments better. You handle the questions better. You just start flowing in a whole new realm of life. How many of you would say with me right now, you know what, Pastor Frank, that would be a great thing. That would be a great thing. And you're right. It would be a great thing. And it will be a great thing. All right. Here's our prayer this morning. Our prayer to the God of hope for this river to open up in us. Here's our prayer. I want you to read it out loud with me, everyone together. Lord, today I lift my eyes and my heart toward you. Knowing where my help comes from. You are the wellspring of expectation. Today, I place my faith firmly in the God who is able and the God who is always watching over my life. Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope fill you. I'm talking about that river, the filling that's going to take place this morning as the God of hope begins to open that valve in your life. Psalm 62 and verse 5. God, the one and only... I'll wait as long as he says why. Everything I hope for comes from him. So why not? Everything in our river of life and expectation, the source is God. And as we open that valve and that river begins to flow, we're more grateful. We look toward that source and we have more faith because God is that source. Lamentation 3.26. It is a good thing to quietly hope, quietly hope for help. From God. In the world, a marriage hits the rocks and it's over. Maybe there's some counseling. Maybe there's some relatives to put their hand on it. Maybe, 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 maybe. Maybe it was adultery. Maybe it was uh, abuse. Maybe it was just hard-heartedness. Maybe just a long time of degeneration. And both people just say, you know what? It's over. In the world, 
we go through the counseling and then maybe it ends up with separation and ultimately with divorce and the two people go their way. Why? Because they have exhausted all the resources available to them, maybe, to fix the marriage. So it is in the finance world, and I could do the same thing and talk about that story, or in the physical world, or in the parenting world, or in the relationship world, or in, and I could go through every one of those worlds, and there's a point where you actually run out of resource. There's a point where you close the door and say, it's over. There's nothing more we can do. But in God, there is no point where emptiness takes over. God always has a source for you. Always. Now, you might not use it. It might take a miracle to change the heart of that wife. But a miracle could happen if you would expect it and open the valve for it. I have seen some of the worst cases you can even imagine. I couldn't even describe to you how bad that case could be in your mind or my mind. And even myself, I would say it's over. It's hopeless. There's nothing can happen to restore this. It is so far gone. But because we have a source, we kind of hook into that last invisible piece called miracle faith. And the source is God. And we remember, God created man and God created woman and God creates everything. And actually, God could change this person. And so the source never runs out. We always have a place to stand and believe God. Now, that's why expectation with God is so different than expectation built on just what man can do. Psalms 131 and verse 3, wait, Israel, for God. Wait with hope, hope now, hope now. Everyone say hope now. Hope now. And I, I love this translation. Hope always. Hope always. Now, why do I and why can I Hope so much about everything and expect so largely beyond myself, beyond the circumstance, beyond life, beyond people's words. What is it that I tie into that builds such a strong expectation? Well, at this point, I could take a journey into God, nature of God, theology, and just talk about sovereignty. That would be a great subject right now. Or I could talk about predestination, predetermined horizons, how God is a loving, controlling God, but He actually has put things before us. He predetermines predestination. That would be a subject right now. Or I could talk about maybe election on how God specially marks out and opens doors for certain people certain ways because they are selected, elected. That would be a subject. Or I could actually talk about maybe the will of God and how God works with mankind and bringing forth his will without making us robotic, that would be a subject. Well, by the time I would go through all those subjects, we'd be about six months into the series. It would be too long. So I can't do that. So I try to melt it down and say, okay, simply, why do I trust so much? Why do I actually relax on the hands of God and say, God, I know you can do this. What is it? Two things. I'm going to give you just two Simple thoughts that kind of wraps it around a theological grid, but it's not. I'm not going to go there. I'm just going to be just real simple and put it out there that a teenager or a, a saint that's been going in the Lord for 90 years, both could take this home and say, I know what it means and I know why I expect so much from God. And here it is. Two things. Number one, 
The source of expectation is in the God who never fails. The reason I put my faith and my trust, besides all those other attributes of God and the character of God and the sovereignty and the predestination and the election and selection and the will and all the stuff that describes God, is the fact God can't fail me. It's beyond him to fail. He cannot fail. It's not in his character. He cannot fail. God puts that on me through promising me certain things. Please take down the definition for the promiser and the promises. The promiser is that person that has the integrity, but also the power, also the resource to do what he says he will do. If I have somebody weaker than me, if I have somebody with less resource than me, if I have somebody who has less of everything than me, and they come to me and say, Frank, I'm going to give you such and such, my doubt level will rise because they don't have the power or the resource to give me what they're telling me they're going to give me. And so I doubt their word. I simply withdraw because their promissory note is not going to be made good. I don't trust them. I know they have violated their word before. I know they have run out of resource before. I have worked with people like that before, and so I'm not going to go there. That's not the way it is with God. He's the promiser. He has the integrity, and he has all the resource to give us the promises. The promise is that pledge and word of honor that he brings to us. And that promise, simply in the Bible, of course, is a covenant. It's a warranty. It's a guarantee. It's his word. And the Bible is filled with hundreds of promises. Right from cover to cover, you start reading what God says about eternity. He promises certain things we can have with our inheritance. He promises us forgiveness if we call on His name and let the blood of Jesus cleanse us. He promises us eternal life if we repent of our sin and put Christ in our heart. He promises power if we will call on the name of Jesus and get filled with the Holy Spirit. He promises us that He will listen to our prayers and He will answer our prayers. He promises us that He will deal with our bodies. He will protect us, put angels around us. He will guide us. And it goes on and on and on. But there are times when you let those promises fall to the ground because you get a little, maybe, disappointed, disillusioned, or you simply don't expect them to happen. And when that happens, your expectation level so drops that God can actually move in some of those delicious promises because you never ask for them, you never expect them, you never open your hands, you never look for them. Sometimes God is pouring them out and He pours them right beside you and you just walk the other way. Because you don't even expect that door to open or that abundance to come or that blessing to be there. You're not even expecting that to happen. Wouldn't it be right if you would start expecting God to be God and that God will honor His promissory notes and that God will bring into your life all the words and the promises He has said and that you would actually expect the best instead of expect the lukewarm? Is that right? It takes an attitude shift. It definitely takes a shift over to start expecting things to be better, to go better, more provision, more prayer, more relationships, more, I mean more. You just start expecting that to be life. Well, you have to have the promises. Now, 
take these down. They're real simple. Believing our God never fails, based on the promises, Hebrews 11.33 says that through faith we obtain promises. Romans 4.20 says Abraham didn't stagger at the promise, but he went after it and he got it. Romans 4.20. Here are seven things you can do to get the promises and make sure that you live them out. Number one, God fulfilled the promises he makes to us. Numbers 23.19, God's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. He said he will do it. Has he spoken and will he not make it good? Well, that's a great verse. Numbers 23, 19. Has he spoken? Yes. Will he not make it good? Of course he will. Why? Because God is not a man that he should lie. He's not going to lie to you. Number two, God guards the promises he gives us. 1 Kings 8, verse 56 is an awesome prayer scripture for you and I. 1 Kings 8, 56. Blessed be the Lord who has given us rest according to all that he has promised. There has not failed one word. This is in your Bible. There has not failed one word of all his good promises. God can't fail. God ministers greats around his promises. Number three, God secures the promises with his character. Hebrews 6 and verse 18, by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. Why? God can't lie. God cannot do wrong. God cannot fail. Number four, God accomplishes the promised purposes for us. Even though he does it mysteriously and brings all the events together in our life. Even the detours become highways for us. Even the shut doors become open doors eventually. Even disappointments turn into great dreams. God begins to work his purposes in our life. Isaiah 55, verse 10 and 11. His word will not return void and he will work the purposes in our life. Number five, God supplies whatever is needed for the promise. He's the source. He supplies for the promise. That's why it's, it's uh, hard sometimes to believe for great promises because you need so much resource, so much more power, so much more whatever. And so you just go to a lower province because it takes too much to do this one. And so you go somewhere else with the promise. Say, I, I don't know if I can go there with it because it would take so much to make that happen. Why don't you go for the so much and see what happens? Genesis 17 we're talked about El Shaddai, the God, the Almighty God, who supplies the sufficient God. Number six, God finishes the promises He invests in us. He finishes them. He brings them to fulfillment. Hebrews 10 and verse 23. And number seven, God enriches our lives with His steadfast promises. He enriches us by just adding, quickening, and pouring in. More expectation for life. More expectation for marriage. More expectation for children. More expectation for answered prayer. Until your heart is so... And this is what Romans 15, 3, 13 says. Filled with the God of hope. Your soul filled with hope. It flows in every area of your life. God keeps His word. Turn to someone around you and say, He's kept His word to me. <laughs> Come on, tell somebody. He's kept his word to me. Some of you need to ramp up again with the word. Ramp up again with the spirit of faith and expectation. God will keep his word to you. You need to reach out and get a hold of it again and just begin to say, Lord, I know you're the promiser. 
I know there's been a lot of things that have happened. And this is where Romans 8.28, that delicious scripture comes in. And sometimes an irritating scripture because all things work together for good. How many ways can you use that verse? How many times do people apply it to everything? Even things they have done that have caused the problem that they want God to put his stamp of sovereignty on to make it his problem. How many just heard what I said? There are times where our sinful nature and habits cause things to happen that shouldn't happen and we blame it on Romans 8.28. You can't do that. Romans 8.28 works for those who are following God according to His purposes, have a love for God, and go after that. Now, second thing, very quickly. The source of my expectation is God never fails. Here's the second one. God watches over me. This is a pastoral point because he's our shepherd. My confidence in God is because he watches over me. He watches over my decisions, over my steps, over my life, over my health, over my friends. He watches over the church. He watches over everything. He's the watcher of my soul. And because he's so careful with me, I trust him. Because he's so right with me, I can go with it. I can relax in the hands of an awesome God who watches over me. Elizabeth Elliot, great woman of God, said this, God never does anything to you that isn't for you. That's a simple and very profound and hard statement. God never does anything to you that isn't for you. Even though at times we look at it and say, I, I don't understand that. My expectation is the God who watches over my life. Job 29 verse 2 is in the days when God watched over me. Proverbs 2, 8, Psalms 91, 14 and 15 is a great scripture here. My expectation is in God's ability to be present and active in my life all the time. All the time God is present and active in my life. Working all the events, all the sides, tying loose ends together, protecting, having the angels watch over me like it says in the Psalms. My expectation is in the God who works all life events for His plans. Even, ultimately, as you serve God your whole life, even those things that are mistakes, even those things that you did do, that was a mistake. But as you repent and line with God, he even uses the mistakes to work for you. But there has to be a repentance. There has to be an alignment. Our God is a watching God. I'm going to do a song right now. Not me personally, unless I bless you, bless you so much you want to leave. <clears throat> but I want to sing a song. I'm going to have Jono actually sing the song. And this is uh, an old, old song. But it's a song that came to me as I was studying for this message. I probably heard it maybe the first time I would think in a Billy Graham crusade with George Beverly Shea singing it. As he did, I think, through most of their crusades. But the song nails the spirit of what I want to put over you this morning. This is what I want to happen. I want you to release the anxiety the unbelief, the disappointments, try this morning. I want you to release the fears. And I want some of you that have some complexities and some challenges right now, physically, spiritually, mentally, financially, relationally, and all the stuff that goes on in life, 
I want you to believe the words of this song. You have a reason to sing because he watches over you. And why should I feel discouraged? And why? I know 